Well, good morning. It's great uh, to be with you uh, once again and to, uh, to see so many good friends who I know uh, take an interest in all the things that we do in the Forest of Dean uh, uh, Community Church. Uh, Katrina is unable to be with me uh, this morning, but she sends her uh, love to you all. If you ever fancy a little trek down to the Forest of Dean and want to pop in on a Saturday night, uh, it's our 10th church birthday coming up on May, uh, March the 19th. So uh, we have Jonathan Vieira uh, coming to do a concert in the school. So uh, if that interests you, uh, you're more than welcome to come and join us. Uh, the tickets are all getting close to being sold out, but there's still some left. £10 a shot. Just to give you a little flavour of what we're up to, that's the, uh, the old Gospel Hall where we meet in uh, Cinderford on a snowy day. I couldn't find any other pictures of the front of the church when I was looking. Um, but uh, that was us about three weeks ago. Uh, don't worry, it's not every Sunday quite as good as that, but uh, we had a, spe- a special service in the school and uh, we had a good crowd. Um, we're, well, at the moment, we're just in the process of uh, purchasing a property. That's the Gospel Hall there. And uh, this is our territory. That's the, the garden we have. So that's our, our border, that's the road that goes down the side. We're now negotiating, or have negotiated, the purchase of this property here, right next door. So we've got a house and this garden, which is almost 0.4 of an acre. So uh, that will give us 0.6 of an acre, right in the centre of Cinderford. Houses all around us. Um, so if anyone's got a spare quarter of a million in their back pocket, please speak to me afterwards, because we're in that fa- phase of fundraising at the moment. And we hope that... Uh, um, in due course, we'll be able to sign the contract and uh, uh, be able to relocate back there on a Sunday morning and develop the uh, the whole site properly as a really great town centre site. This this garden here, we can park 40 cars in there. So that's how big it is. Um, so uh, when we've got Charles Price coming in the autumn. So we'll invite you to come and hear Charles Price one Saturday night. And uh, you can uh, get have a, have a look at us and see what we get up to. Um, that is the house and that is the garden there. Um, uh, that we're, uh, so just pray into that. Pray that the Lord will uh, provide the money. We're also going through pre-planning application at the moment. So uh, once all that's done, the purchase will go through. And um, we've got people who've generously have offered us interest-free loans. But obviously we're also quite interested in cash. Uh, <laughs> so we've got a big uh, gift day in our church on next Sunday. So we hope that that will uh, generate uh, the rest of the money needed. If you haven't met my wife before, that's my wife, Katrina. And um, you can see... Uh, why I married her, or one of the many reasons why I married her, very beautiful lady, Um, but also she's very uh, creative, and she's just written, not only does she do lots of cooking, but she's just written a book called How to Make a Pastor's Wife. Um, So uh, if if you're interested in that, you can actually go on to Amazon or uh, createspace.com and uh, buy it or buy it from her. Literally, it's just being printed as we speak. So, um, And it is uh, all about uh, how to make a pastor's wife basically how God shaped her life. And uh, um, you know, she always wanted to marry a, 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 a Welsh sheep farmer, but God had other ideas. She married a farmer on the close to the Welsh, Welsh border, and then he sort of morphed into a church pastor, which wasn't what she had planned. And uh, yeah, it's what God had planned for her life. And um, it's, uh, so she just shares very openly uh, in the book the, the struggles, the roller coaster ride, as she calls it. And um, so... Uh, I know a lot of people are eagerly anticipating that. So this morning, we're looking at Nehemiah. And um, I want to just us to ask a question as we start. And that's this question that's on the screen that says this. What do you care about? What do you care about? Now, I'm not asking you, do you care about the European Union? 
whether they're going to be in or whether they're going to be out. You know, that's that's. We're asking something a bit more. I was going to say serious. I mean, that is a serious issue in itself. But there's something even more serious than that. What do you really, really, really care about? What has God placed within your heart that push come to shove? You just you just know that it's something which is burning within you. Maybe some of you you don't even know it's there. Uh, I mean, if you asked me if I was 30, what do you really, really care about? I probably would have said my cows, <laughs> being a dairy farmer. And, um, yeah, I care about the kingdom of God and these kind of things. But actually, it wasn't until in my mid-30s I realized, actually, I really, really care about the church. That's why I'm doing what I do now. Because I care about the church. I, can, I care about the kingdom of God. I care about people coming to know Jesus. And... Uh, it caused me to transition in my life. Um, but of course, God had been preparing me all the way. As I look back, I can see, like Katrina, uh, that he was uh, preparing <coughs> my life so that I was ready to step into the next uh, season of my life as a, as a planter and a pastor of a church. So what is, what is it that you care about deeply? Well, we know what it was for Nehemiah. Nehemiah cared um, about, um, Nehemiah cared about Jerusalem. And he cared about the walls which were in, uh, tumbled down. He cared about God's reputation. And uh, you know, if you've not read Nehemiah through recently or not read it at all, just read it through. You can read it in one sitting. It's not a long book. And uh, it's just a, an inspiring read as you look at the book of Nehemiah and see how God influenced people who weren't even Christians to, to show favor towards Nehemiah and uh, enable his purposes to actually come into fruition. So take the opportunity, perhaps this afternoon or this evening, to do that. And as Nehemiah was stirred by God to care about Jerusalem, you know, he stirred him by, uh, and he was moved by God by faith to make a difference. He just couldn't just sit there. He couldn't just say, well, I'm, life is cozy for me, I'm in the king's palace, <laughs> tasting the king's wine. And it was a bit risky because it could have some poison in there. But most of the time, the king drinks the best wine. So it's not a bad place to be. You know, someone else's problem, Jerusalem's a long way. No, no, he couldn't just sit and relax like that, could he? Because God had birthed something in his heart. God had stirred something. And maybe God has been stirring something in your heart just recently, or maybe over his last few years, and it just won't go away. And sometimes, at some point, God says, okay, now's the time to step out in faith and make a difference. Make a difference. In fact, if we don't step out in faith, as God calls us to, there's a word for that, it's disobedience. Disobedience to God's call upon our lives. And I know for myself, I got to a point where I knew for not to go and to leave the farm and to get involved in the church was disobedience to God. And I, I couldn't deal with that except go and follow his calling upon my life. And so, Nehemiah, as we look through the book of Nehemiah, or this chapter, we're going to look at chapter 2 this morning. Um, we read part of it earlier on. Uh, we see in Nehemiah chapter 2, there's four aspects to his faith. And so, first of all, we see that his faith, that faith waits. Faith waits. <laughs> now, that's not what we think of when we think of faith, is it? We don't think of people, we think of these great men and women of faith. And we talked about some missionaries this morning, you know. They've gone out there, and they're doing amazing missionary work in Moldova. Now, I'm glad you showed the map, because I didn't have a clue where Moldova was. I, I, only time it comes up is when we play football against them or something. And, uh, 
You know, it's, uh, we think about people of action, but actually faith waits. He didn't rush to action. He rushed to prayer, but not to actually physically doing anything else. You see, what does it say? Early the following spring, this is a New Living Translation, in the month of Nisan, during the 20th year of King Artaxerxes. You see, in the following spring. You see, when the, uh, chapter 1 took place four months earlier, when he spoke to one of his brothers and said, you know, how is Jerusalem? What's the walls like? And his brother said, a mess. It's a disgrace. It's all falling apart. God's not honored anymore. And then it says the following spring, four months later. You see, Nehemiah joined that list of men and women of faith who moved in faith, but yet they learned that God was not in a hurry. You see, God's never in a hurry. We're in a hurry. We want, to ha- we want it to happen now. You know, I-, I want this church building developed in Cinderford, and I want to see it full with people who aren't Christians. And I want to see it happen now. <laughs> and God's just quietly doing it in his time. And he's not stopping. Uh, and... Uh, <clears throat> we want to see these things happen fast and furiously, but yet God wants it to be a, a sustainable thing that goes on for the long term. And uh, you know, I spent uh, a day with some church planters <clears throat> in London uh, a few weeks ago, and uh, it's interesting how many of these church planters in the room were sat right in central London, and we went around the room, how many of them are actually in a stage of waiting? You know, God's called them to plant a church in London, but some of them are saying, where? <laughs> some of them are saying, who with? Who's going to be our team? How's it going to come together? And some have even been for a whole year just praying into this whole scenario. And God's just saying, yeah, okay, wait. It's not just quite the time yet. And sometimes we're in a rush, but God's never in a rush. And it's always better to wait God's timing than rush in and mess it up in our own uh, cock-handed way. We, we sometimes do things. So faith waits. But then the second thing is faith plans. You see, there's this sort of myth around that says that um, <clears throat> when we move in you know, and God's at work and, uh, and we move in faith, we see God just doing amazing things and we sit back and watch. And we go, wow. Well, yeah, God does do the amazing things. Let's, let's make no mistake about it. We don't do amazing things. But we do get to do something part of the journey too. God gives us the privilege of being part of it. We can... God gives us the opportunity to do what we can. You know, if we just sit back and hope that God is going to move in faith and don't make any plans, it's just laziness. That's what it is. And so, Nehemiah planned. <clears throat> and it's easy to see, uh, to miss this whole point of the planning that Nehemiah did in faith as he looked forward to going to Jerusalem to rebuilding the walls. You see, he spent four months of praying and four months of planning. And then he went to the king. He didn't rush in. He didn't pray. He prayed, and as he prayed, God put things upon his mind. What, did, what happened? You see, when he went to the king, this is what he said. This is why we know that he was planning. He said, I replied, if it please the king, and if you are pleased with me, your servant, send me. You see, he planned that he was to go. And often when we pray into situations and pray for things, God goes, Do you know what? You're just the person I'm looking for. <laughs> so it's always dangerous to pray for things. Maybe that's why we don't pray for things as much as we should do. 
because we're frightened that God's going to go, hmm, what about you? You could actually do this. <laughs> well, you could be part of this. You see, he said, send me. Send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. The king with the queen sitting beside him asked, how long will you be gone? When will you return? After I, I told him how long I will be gone, the king agreed to my request. I said to the king, if it please the king, let me have letters. Hang on, Why did, where did that come from? Let me have letters. Addressed to the governors of the province west of the Euphrates River. I think he was planning something. And he thought, ah, that was a good, I need to do this. <laughs> when I speak to the king, I need to ask him about letters for the governors. And, and then he said, instructing them to let me travel safely. He knew what he needed. It was a dangerous place to be. Through their territories on, the way to, on my way to Judah. Sorry, there we go. <coughs> and then he says in verse 8, please give me a letter addressed to Asa. How did he know the manager's name? We didn't have Google search and type in who's the manager of the forest. <laughs> you know, oh, it's Asa, okay. No, he had to go and do a bit of homework. Maybe it makes some inquiries. He had to find out. He had to plan to find out that guy. That he was the manager. This was the man he needed to instruct. He said, instruct him to give me timber. You know, why did he need timber? He was going to need to make beams for the gates, for the temple fortress, for the city walls. And, and obviously he wasn't going to just be a short job. This was going to need some time, so he would need somewhere to live. <laughs> there was some planning going on here. In that four months as he was praying, he was planning. You can see it all there. It wasn't a casual conversation. And sometimes we think that he, you know, he heard this news, then the next day he went into the king and he was looking all miserable and sad, and the king said, why are you sad? And he thought, okay, king. And then he just spoke. You know, it wasn't like that. It didn't just suddenly flow. You know, he'd been wrestling with God in prayer over this issue for months. And as he had done so, God had gone, we're going to need this. A letter to the king to the, so you can get some wood. You need, need safe passage. You need a letter about that. You need this sorted. You need that sorted. And God had been sort of giving him a little tick list of things that he needed to put together as he planned. You see, faith plans. And, uh, you know, we're, we're a bit like you. You know, I know you've been very frustrated here as a church. You're wanting to, to, to get into your own building. And um, we're slightly different because we do have a building. It's just very small. And um, we have no parking. So uh, it's a different scenario, but it's uh, the same. Oh, we meet in the school this morning. Our church are meeting in uh, a school in Cinderford, a, a high school in Cinderford, and um, you know we spent seven years looking and praying and exploring. And every time we think we're going to get somewhere, suddenly it falls through. A year ago, we thought we had the right place, and we agreed a price, and then we felt God said, "No, that isn't the place." And it can be really discouraging, can't it, when you're going through this process? Uh, I mean. The, the frightening thing for me as a pastor and a, 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 an elder in a church is that actually when we said no to moving forward with the project last year, we believed God had something different for us. We didn't know what was around the corner. Now we can look back with a little bit more um, of a smile on our faces. But at the time, uh, if you watch our graph of attendance on a Sunday morning, they dropped off by about 20% for the next three months. You know, people, they didn't leave the church. They just didn't come so often. They were discouraged. And that's what happens. We get discouraged when we sort of see things happening. And I'm sure there's a sense here, I've not really spoken to anyone recently, but I'm sure you're normal human beings like we are in Cinderford. And you get discouraged when you don't see something happening which you just want to see happen. And God's going, that's okay, wait. <laughs> How long can you wait? You know, the longer you wait, the bigger thing that miracle God's going to do. So we want to be a, see a big miracle. So sometimes we have to be prepared to wait. And it's frustrating, it can be discouraging. 
But faith plans. We still plan in faith. And you keep moving forward in faith. And we see the same thing happen to... Someone's ringing you in faith. <laughs> Uh, and and we and uh, we see the same thing happen again when he got f- into Jerusalem, how he looked and he planned as he went round the city walls. You see, faith plans; it doesn't just happen. But then the third uh, way in which we see faith acting is that faith acts. Faith acts, and in this particular situation, his faith at- at- caused him to ask. He would ask. Uh, that was the action that he had to do. Um, you know, Nehemiah made two asks. He asked the king and he asked the leaders in Jerusalem. So what did he say? He, turned, he came before the king and he said, I was serving the king his wine. I'd never appeared sad in his presence before. Now, we need to understand what this means, what this meant for Nehemiah. To come into the king's presence looking sad, and it clearly wasn't an illness as we know, meant that there was something going, some turmoil going on in his head. Now the king could have interpreted this as disloyalty. In those days, disloyalty only meant one thing. He removed the head from the shoulders. Um, So he probably was (laughs) a bit concerned about that as well. It played into the emotions, I'm sure. Uh, And and so he was uh, before the king. And so the king said, why are you looking so sad? You don't look sick. You must be deeply troubled. And so he said, then I was terrified. See, he was human. He was like us. But then he replied. He said, long live the king. You see, he was showing his loyalty to the king. Look, king, this is no threat to you. Long live the king. Uh, Nothing has changed here. He was wise. How can I not be sad for the city where my ancestors are buried in is in ruins and the gates have been destroyed by fire? Now, that's a strange expression, actually, when you think about that. You know, would I say, oh, the city or the town or the village where my ancestors are buried in, you know, was that what I would say if I was talking about my home country or my homeland or my home city? I doubt whether I would. I might say the place where I come from, (laughs) where my family come from, but that was a, a phrase, and I'm sure it was his wisdom, again, as he prayed and planned, he thought, how will the king best receive this news? that I actually want to, to go <laughs> and uh, be discharged from duties for a period of time. And so he appealed to the heart of the king. You know, says the king was there with the queen beside him. You know, the, may, may, well, I don't, I'm just guessing here, but maybe the king was a, a family man and he in, and, and understood the importance of family and history. And so maybe that was appealing to his better nature. And it says the, the king then said, how can I help you? And uh, this is a bit I'm sure you've heard many talks on. I'm not going to major on it. But it says, with a prayer to the God of heaven. <laughs> uh, 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 who hasn't prayed one of those prayers? Help! <laughs> Silently <laughs> to God. <laughs> when things are a bit sticky. When you're feeling a bit nervous. You know, he was terrified. I mean, that was a wise thing to do, to pray to the God of heaven. That emergency help prayer. I mean, he'd been praying all along. But he was just showing God, I'm still depending on you, God. <laughs> uh, if you don't pull me through this one, um, my head and my shoulders are all g- going to be separated. I'm going to see you a bit quicker than I anticipated. And so he said, help. He prayed to the God of heaven. And then he made the big ask. He made the big ask, which we read earlier on. And then, of course, again, when we got to, to Jerusalem with the leaders, he said to them, you know very well what trouble we are in. 
in Jerusalem. It lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire. You know, again, he uses wisdom. He highlighted the facts. He appealed to their hearts. You know what trouble we're in? We're the people of God. And this is the God of heaven. And look around us. It's, it's a mess. You know, if, if the city didn't have walls around it, it was a disgrace. It was a place that would be mocked. It was shame upon them. And so there was no honor for God in, from Jerusalem. And Jerusalem was supposed to be the place where people would look to and go, Ah, there's a God on earth because we see evidence of him at Jerusalem. And it wasn't happening anymore. And it was shame. It was a disgrace for them. He says, let us rebuild the walls of Jerusalem and end this disgrace. We can't have this anymore, folks. We're the children of the king, the living God. And look where we're living. And so he appealed to their hearts. And what was their response? He said at once, they said, yes, let's rebuild the wall. So they began the good work. You know, folks, we're living in a time of disgrace. Disgrace. I mean, God's name is dragged through the mire on a daily basis, isn't it? In our newspapers, in our workplaces. Churches in what people perceive as terminal decline, although actually it, has, it isn't anymore because the number of churches being planted and the churches closing has now evened out. So that actually we're... We've plateaued and we're starting to come up. Christians who are prominent, like some of you probably read about Dan Walker, who's on the breakfast uh, TV program and on Five Live a lot recently, you know, they're being ridiculed and mocked. Why? You know, newspapers that consider themselves responsible newspapers are running articles about people like him saying, well, how can we take this man seriously? Because he believes the Bible. No one takes, no one believes the Bible anymore, so how, how can we... How can the BBC trust him to ask sensible questions? I mean, that is a disgrace. That is how low our nation has fallen. That people would say that sort of thing about a man who's clearly a godly man. And we need to pray for him. I mean, the pressure that people like him are under, we just can't even imagine, can we? I mean, it's time to end this disgrace, isn't it? It's time to end this disgrace. You know, our metaphorical walls as a nation have completely collapsed. They are down. And people are going, is there a God anymore? I mean, I, I had to um, <clears throat> take a, a, a guy around the house that we're looking at purchasing recently because there's some structural problems. And this man uh, came to visit from the council. And uh, we got chatting, and he came from Newington. He actually went to, at one stage, went to our youth club, our church youth club at Glee Chapel, and, and then he sort of said, well, of course, no one believes that anymore, do we? I mean, it's, it's all a bit of nonsense, isn't it, really? And I think he forgot he was talking to for a moment. <laughs> and so I said, well, actually, I don't think so. <laughs> and then he sort of quickly changed the subject as fast as he could, but I was trying not to let him get away with it. But, um, you know, that is the attitude of people today. They, 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 they don't want to respond to God, so they just dismiss it as fairy tales. That's just a nice book for the few elderly people that want to believe it these days. But that's not true. We know it's not true. We know that this book is dynamite. We know that it's living. We know that it changes lives. It's changed our lives. I know that it, has, it is the power of God for salvation. Amen. And so we must st- it's time to stand up. 
It's time to make a difference. It's time to act. It's time to end this disgrace. And I believe that things are changing. I believe that things are changing. You know, we churches like yourself and ourselves, you know, we're, we're connecting in all sorts of ways with people every single week. And people are starting to see God at work. One of the things we, we've started doing recently, in the last year or so, is we, um, we run a CAP uh, debt coaching service. And Duncan, who's our debt coach, went to visit this guy. And he said, I've never seen a man who's looked so hopeless in all my life. He said it was distressing to visit his plight and just see what a mess he was in, how discouraged he was in. And just, he was obviously clearly on the edge, a man in his 30s. And uh, anyway, <coughs> just before Christmas, this guy came to church. And he's come pretty well every Sunday since. And uh, I was chatting to him. He's just been coming through our, our, our membership course. And, um, and uh, he, uh, he said, well, I, you know, I became a Christian. And he sort of passed on. And I said, well, when did that happen? He said, well, last Sunday after you spoke. <laughs> oh, well, okay, that's good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, uh, uh, and he said, I now know what doesn't work. He said, for 38 years I've tried all sorts of things and it just did not work. Now I know what does make a difference. is Jesus. You see, you know, people are seeing the hope and seeing the light and lives are being changed in Gloucester, in the Forest of Dean, across Britain. But yet, the secular world out there is trying to poo-poo it and to dismiss it. It's like um, Juliet's posting on Facebook. You know, that's what people will do. That's, what, that's, that, that's the, the devil blinding people's eyes. And that will carry on. But it doesn't stop us, does it? <laughs> it doesn't stop us. We just push on and just act in faith as God calls us to. But then lastly, faith perseveres. Faith perseveres. It keeps on going. You see, it's easy to get, uh, to get fired, fired up and uh, to see what God's calling us to do. But then in the heat of the moment, to freeze. I mean, who wouldn't have frozen? You know, before the king, Nehemiah said, I was terrified. <laughs> you can feel it, can't you? But I replied, long live the king. How can I not be sad for the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and the gates have been destroyed by fire? You see, Nehemiah didn't freeze. He didn't backtrack at that moment. He had that moment. How many of us have had a situation where you've been wanting to witness to a friend at work or a neighbor or a family friend and this moment has come, they suddenly asked you that leading question and you go, <gasps> And if your knees start to go, Ooh, <laughs> uh, and your mouth goes all dry, and you just can't think of the right words, and, and then suddenly it's gone, and you have to think, oh, why can't I have just said something? Anything would have been better than nothing. And yet that, it happens to us all, doesn't it? But Nehemiah, even though he was terrified, he took a deep breath, and he just went for it. He went for it. And he made that big, big ask. He didn't delay. He didn't put it off. He said, oh, I'll talk to you about it another day. <laughs> that's, a, that's a soft way of doing it, isn't it? You know, sometimes we can do that. I, or, we, or we sort of you know, we sort of put it back a little bit. But he didn't. And he, um, he, he spoke up. And he persevered. And he took his God-given moment. And that's what we're to do. We're to press on. And to persevere. And the same thing happened when he got into Jerusalem. I mean, this was the pattern that he followed through. It says, but when Sanballat, uh, Tobiah, 
and, uh, uh, and Geshem, the Arab, heard of our plan. They scoffed tempestuously. What are you doing? Are you rebelling against the king, they asked? And I replied, the God of heaven. Just stop there a second. The God of heaven. That is the one that we worship. That's the one we've been singing these songs about this morning. He is the one who has put his spirit within us if we're followers of Jesus. The God of heaven. <laughs> and that's why we feel a bit uncomfortable on this earth at times because we don't belong here. We belong somewhere else. We're citizens of heaven. The God of heaven, he said, will help us succeed. He had a confidence there, didn't he? We, his servants, will start rebuilding this wall. He wasn't going to be distracted, even by evil men. And so he persevered. And so it's easy to, to run into problems. It's easy to run into opposition. It's easy to run into difficulties. And then just to give up. To give up. To get discouraged. To stop. And just to sort of melt away and go, well, that's how it was. And there's been many Christians down through the ages that have done that. But that's not what God calls us to do. God calls us to, to persevere and to keep on going. You know, we are guaranteed one thing in life. Once we're on this earth, we will have problems. We will have struggles. We will have difficulties. There will be hardships. There will be opposition. If we're standing up as Christians to do something great in our community, there will be opposition. Believe you me. <laughs> if you've not faced it yet, you will do. You'll get it. Especially in our increasingly secular world of life. They all come your way. And we've had our fair share in Sinderford. But you know, at the same time too, God opens up these windows where you know you'll get a, a surprising king, a surprising counsellor, a surprising person who's not a Christian, but yet God gives you favour with them. And we've seen that happen too. We've seen the opposition, we've seen the people that God's given us favour with. And God would do that and open up the door so that He His work gets done. You know, the thing God wants to be done will get done. No one can stop him because he's the God of heaven. He's the God of heaven. And when God decrees in heaven something, it happens on earth. And so that's why we pray in the Lord's Prayer, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see? He's the God of heaven. And he will succeed. And he will make a way. And when we run into problems, we press on. We keep going. We keep praying. We keep looking to him for solutions. Because we know in God's timing he will deliver his plan and his purpose. You see, Nehemiah understood what Paul wrote about later in 1 Corinthians where he said these words in 1 Corinthians 15. So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord for you know that nothing, nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless or ever in vain. You see, sometimes we think, well, I can't do much. But whatever you do for the Lord is not wasted. It's not useless. In fact, it will be the most important things that you do today or tomorrow or this week will be the things you do for the Lord. Yes, that's what the Bible tells us. It's not going to be wasted. It's not useless. So whatever you can do, and we're at different stages of life, when you get older, there's things you can't do which you did when you were younger, but you have wisdom to think and pray into and help and support in other ways that you wouldn't even thought of before. So, changing seasons of life. But there are always things that God calls us to do that can impact our community and enable his kingdom to come on earth as it is 
in heaven. And it's never useless. So let me just go back to where we started. What has God burned on your heart? What has God burned on your heart? What is God burning on your heart? Maybe a younger person here this morning. What is God burning on your heart? And he's saying, it's time to move forward in faith. It's time to move forward in faith. What is it that you care about passionately that is a God-given passionate care? Now, we can't care about everything, but there's usually something that God has either placed or placing on our hearts that is quietly just won't go away. And he's going, do you know what? I want you to walk in faith. Move forward in faith. A faith that waits. A, wait, a faith that plans. A faith that acts. And a faith that perseveres. That's what God calls us to do. Because that is faith. Martin Luther described faith like this. He said, faith is a living Daring confidence in God's grace. A living, daring confidence in God's grace. Are we going to walk in faith this week? Because that's what God calls us to do. Because as we do that, we'll make a difference in Gloucester for eternity. Don't, we, don't you want to do that? Don't you want to make a difference in Gloucester for eternity? Rather than just this week? <laughs> I do. I want to make a difference in, in the first of Dean for eternity. I want to see people's lives change forever. Amen. And that's my, 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 my life's goal. That when I've left this scene, there'll be some sense that God is more present and more obvious and God is more honored across where the forest of Dean because, not because I'm a special person or anything, but because I've been there and somehow God has just taken me and used me. That is my vision. That's my dream. And I think that's what each of us, we want to, we want to make a difference, don't we? We want to know our lives count. And as we move forward in faith, they will. Because none of our lives are wasted. Let's just bow our heads in prayer. Father, you know what's in our hearts. You know what you've perhaps been birthing in the hearts of different ones here. Perhaps for some it's been birthed in these last few weeks. Maybe for some it's been birthed there for years and just lay there. And maybe they felt it would never happen. But this morning you're just stirring it again. Lord, help us to be those courageous, bold men and women, young people of faith like Nehemiah. People that will move forward when we can't see what the outcome's going to be, but we know that the God of heaven is on our side. People who are willing to wait your timing. People who will pray whilst they're waiting. People who will plan whilst they're waiting. People who will then move into action when you call us to move into action. And people, Lord, that when I think it gets tough, when we're into obstacles, when things get difficult, when things frustrate us, when things become discouraging, that we persevere so that your kingdom will come on earth as it is in heaven. So that this nation, that this city of Gloucester is not a disgrace anymore, but that your name is honored. Lord, that's what we want. That is our desire. That is our prayer. Lord, that your name will be honored in this place. People forget us. 
but that your name will be on it. And that somehow, thank you, Lord, that you give us the privilege of being part of that process. So, Lord, help us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.